What is up, everybody? It is Lo, your host, and almost all of the Vols ATV crew. We've got Brando and Drew. Unfortunately, every time we have a big-time guest, Alex always misses it. I feel so sorry for him, but I just... Alex, just keep doing your thing over there in med school. You will join us when the time is right. Our guest tonight is Brett Ciancia, the owner and creator of Pick 6 Previews. Y'all can find him on Twitter via the handle at Pick 6 Previews. Brett, I want to thank you so much for coming on tonight with us. This is like literally an honor for us. And I wanted to give you a chance to kind of introduce yourself to all of our listeners. Yeah, well, first off, thanks for having me on, guys. And, you know, Knoxville, Tennessee right now is kind of the center of the college football universe. So uh, I'm excited to be on and excited for your fans, too, because this is one of those programs that the last 10, 15 years that I've watched from afar that's been so close. They've been snake bitten. They've had a couple of bad hires, a lot of heartbreaking losses, but the fans care so much. So to see a fan base be rewarded like this, I know we're only halfway through the season, but uh, what a heck of a start. So. Uh, congrats to all you Vol fans out there and, and keep riding this momentum. It looks like it's uh, you're in for a historic season. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, for those that are unfamiliar, I'm, uh, I, I run a college football preview magazine now, the 11th straight year. Uh, last five years been graded the most accurate in the country. That's beating all the ones on newsstands, Lindy, Athlon, Phil Steele, uh, all the rest of them. Um, but uh, this year I went with a hard copy for the first time ever, and uh, that made the rounds across the college football media world and the fans. So, um, it was a great year so far. And, um, and then, yeah, so uh, we'll talk Heisman here. I'm a Heisman voter. It's the ultimate credential, the ultimate honor for me. Uh, I take it very seriously, especially as a national guy. I'm covering all 66 teams, so uh, all 66 Power 5 teams, that is. So excited to break it down with you. we got a big matchup here this week and a potential Heisman winner in, in Knoxville. Yeah, Justin, I have like a hell of a resume there. Like I said, it is such an honor to have you on. Um I don't want to take up too much time, so we'll just dive right in. This Saturday, 7 o'clock, we got the Kentucky Wildcats, 5-2, and two, number 19 in the country, against the Vols, shocking to say, 7-0, and oh, number 3 in the country. Of course, as everyone knows, Kentucky is led by Will Levis. At the start of the season, was a huge like first-round draft pick favorite across the national media outlets. Um, and now, Hendon Hooker leading the Vols, who has emerged as a huge Heisman front runner, uh, pretty much kind of shocked most of everyone except for you, Brett, because you picked early on that Hendon Hooker might be a dark horse. Isn't that correct? Yeah, that is. And thanks, thanks for bringing that up. Um, yeah, back in January, I was down in Atlantic City. I'm, I'm based out of Pennsylvania, so I was down at the casinos at AC, and I looked at the futures chart, and I had to go all the way down the list. I think it was 60 or 70 to 1 for Hendon Hooker. And I was shocked by this. I knew that what was coming back on Tennessee's offense was nine starters. It was this high-tempo, hyper-tempo offense. Um, and you already put up a lot of numbers in, in the transition year, 2021. People forget how hard of a transition that was, not just going from the old smash-mouth offense to this new-age hypo offense, but all the mass exodus of players through the transfer portal after that, that offseason. So um, for him to come in and fix it in 21, and then to bring back all these starters and the key man, Hooker himself, uh, I, I thought that there'd be huge things for Tennessee's offense. So, yeah, I tweeted out. You can see this. It's not uh, we're not just making it up. I've tweeted out in January that my dark horse pick, if I had a roulette chip, would have been the 70 to one Hendon Hooker. Um, and, you know, he's he's number two on the board right now, uh, arguably number one in some spots. So, uh, yeah, almost a perfect season. Pretty much perfect. 18 touchdowns, and just one pick. 
leads the SEC in the all-encompassing QB rating and is number two right there with C.J. Stroud in that same number nationally. So incredible offense to watch, led by an incredible quarterback. So following up on that real quick, I did want to bring some insight to myself even as as well as the rest of the listeners. I've never had the privilege of speaking to someone who votes for Heisman. So I was just curious, like, taking, you know, individual players out of it, what are the like top key things you look for? And also, do you guys take into account those games where, you know, like, for example, when you play a lower opponent and we pull the quarterback out super early or the player out super early to prevent them from injury, is that ever weighted into a vote where, you know, they couldn't have padded, they could have padded their stats more, but they didn't. Um, I'm just kind of curious about how the whole process works on your end. Yeah, it's a great question. And um, yeah, so the the majority of Heisman voters out there, there's 700 or so. A lot of them are beat writers for a specific team. So you'd have a Tennessee voter, um, a Vanderbilt voter, for example, in your area. Um, In Pennsylvania, we have Penn State and Pitt and Temple as the three FBS teams. But I'm kind of a rare case where I'm not on the beat of a team. I'm a national guy. I have the national publication there. So it's kind of rare to come at it from that angle. So I do bring a national approach. Um, I mean, on Saturdays, I'm watching four screens for 14 hours. I mean, noon till 2 a.m. Uh, I'm trying to watch everything I can. Sundays, I watch condensed games of games I missed. So I'm really, you know, I'm really committed to this thing. And, you know, I, I really take it to heart. You know, you see some Heisman voters out there that barely cover the sport anymore. Uh, it's a shame. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm all in on it. But so to answer your question, I think that I'll answer it two ways. One, what the majority of Heisman voters look for and then what I look at. So, I mean, I think the majority of Heisman voters will kind of whittle it down to just who's in the playoff race and who's the quarterback of that team. And that sounds simplistic, but when you look at how the, the voting comes in, it's almost always quarterbacks on conference title teams. So, I mean, it's, you know, there's more to it, I'm sure, for most voters, but that's how a lot of them arrive at their conclusion. I take it away, a holistic approach. I mean, I'm looking at all positions. Um, I do think the quarterback has the most importance on the team, um, but I do look at all, you know, running back, receiver, defenders, um, and to answer your question about the, the raw stats, you know, piling on numbers against a, an FCS team or something, that's why I like to, or, or, or pulling the starters out. Uh, that's why I like to look at the, the per play numbers, um, because you can roll up 300 yards against, you know, against Kent state or something, but, uh, over the course of a season, what is the per play? So for Hennon hooker, for example, his yards per attempt right now, leading the country, uh, definitely leading the sec at 10.8, um, you know, completion percentage for him will be important. That QB rating also does it per play. Uh, and then when you're talking running backs, looking at yards per carry, explosive long yardage plays, percentage of those. Um, so there really isn't one formula. Um, I look at everything, and I also do weight the big games too. I don't know if that's the right way or if there is a right way, but, I mean, you got to show up when your team needs you most. So the way that Hendon Hooker and, and honestly, Jalen Hyland for that, for that matter, uh, how they performed against Alabama, absolutely incredible. So – um, I definitely weight the big games more uh, nationally ranked, you know, top five, top 10 games, conference title games. I weight that more uh, than you, what you put up against Kent state. Um, but I do take a holistic approach. I hope that answered it. That definitely does. And uh, definitely sounds like you have your work cut out for you. Uh, I wanted to give Brando and Drew their chance to ask you a couple questions as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, talking about the whole Heisman thing, like, you know, big game moments, too. <clears throat> I look at Hendon, uh, Florida, the 99-yard drive that everyone talked about a couple weeks ago against Bama, 
know, getting us in the field goal position to get like win that game. Uh, Pitt, LSU, you know, he's came up big clutch. Like, you know, he's doing this in a system where he's been able to thrive too. And the tweet's legit, you know, going all the way back for pick six to January 23rd. His number one odds guy was Hendon Hooker. And like, I want to get, you know, pick your, your opinion, you know, picking that back in January and now seeing the big moments where they're able to go out there and exploit teams. How is that, you know, kind of booked Hendon? And now after Jalen Hyatt's performance against Bama, we're talking about like two balls possibly in that, you know, top top reach for the, the vote, not just, you know, Heisman, but definitely All-American. Yeah, definitely All-American candidates for sure. Um, and yeah, when you look at the Heisman race, uh, yeah, you can argue for, for Hyatt definitely. But I think that the majority of voters, it's so hard to win as a receiver or running back anymore, uh, especially when you have a, a fellow you know, offensive talent guy, a quarterback in the same uh, in, the, in the same offense. So I, I think that most of the votes are going to go towards Hooker in that one-on-one there, um, and uh, rightfully so. A lot of guys value the quarterback more. Um, but specifically with Hooker, yeah, it, it's cool to see it all come true. The things that I had wrote about in the book, uh, what I had talked about on the radio and podcast shows all in the summer, in the preseason, even that January tweet all the way back when we were just finishing up the 21 season. So to see it all come to fruition, to see that offense take that next step. It was already really strong last year in 21 in the transition year, but to make that jump now and uh, to put a number on it, you know, I do it um, judging a whole offense. I do yards per play, but then also adjusted for opponent strength. And I know that sounds boring, but you know, I just call it my offense greater and Tennessee is number two in the country right now, only behind Ohio state, but to put it in the context, the last five years, that's a top 10 offense over the last five years. You're talking about Tennessee going up there with, the Joe Burrow offense of 2019 with LSU, uh, the Heisman Trophy winning teams with uh, with Oklahoma in the Lincoln Riley years, Alabama with Mac Jones and Devontae Smith in 2020. So this is an elite offense. I mean, this is a you know a top 10 in the last five years offense. So uh, if they keep riding that and they stay in the SEC title hunt late into the season, I think that Hooker's got a great shot. Um, especially, I mean, I don't want to look ahead because we had a huge one Saturday, but. Uh, if he performs well against Georgia, I, I can't imagine he's going to be the favorite uh, if he gets through that undefeated. No, yeah, I definitely agree that, you know, next week is going to be uh, key in that. That matchup is huge for, you know, that final vote. But I kind of want to argue that this game, this Kentucky game, it might be even more because, you know, this game has been looked at all around. Like Tennessee, Kentucky has never been a robbery. They've never been a really crazy good program. But now the back and forth over the last few years, you know, last year we all got free cookies because Elante Taylor. But two years ago, you know, when they came into Neyland Stadium, I know no Tennessee fan has forgot that game. So this week's definitely personal. But I know, you know, Hendon going up with the whole Levis thing, I know that's going to be a, a crazy, crazy thing. Uh, would you say that, you know, this week if Hendon Hooker goes out there and wins, you know, against a really, really underrated good defense in Kentucky? I can't believe I have to admit that. But it's kind of like, you know, a definitely an addition on his resume just to go out there and do it. Yeah, it's a huge resume builder because when you look at the teams that, uh, that Tennessee has gone against so far, um, you know, a lot of them have fallen off. Pittsburgh, that's not the ACC title contender we thought that we had there. It's certainly not one of their better defenses this year. Uh, you know, Ball State and Akron are MAC teams. Uh, Florida's defense has had some struggles. Um, so, yeah, to, um, to, uh, to put it up against Kentucky, that'll be massive because Kentucky, yeah, you're right, it is underrated. They're number 13 in my metrics right now on defense. So this is a strong D. Uh, that's what Mark Stoops really built this program on. You you spoke to some of the history there. Yeah, Kentucky historically has, has obviously only been a basketball school, but Mark Stoops comes in. He makes it a hard-nosed program, a strong front seven on defense, big, powerful offensive line, the big blue wall, they call it, and, uh, and a trio of running backs back there to pound the ball. Now they add an NFL-caliber arm. 
and it's a solid team. And uh, you look at their record, it looks a little misleading. They're 5-2. and two. Uh, The one loss was because Will Levis, their, their, their big-time quarterback, was out. I mean, I'm sure that that could have changed the game result against South Carolina. And then that Ole Miss game, they lost by three. A couple missed field goals sprinkled in, and you're talking about potentially an undefeated team. Uh, not to do the what-if game too far, but this is a solid team. Um, a top 13 defense, like I said. Top 10 in passing defense specifically. So it's strength on strength with, uh, with this offense of Tennessee uh, going up against their pass defense. So, yeah, it's a huge uh, – it's kind of the appetizer before the big main dish with Georgia. But this is certainly – when we look back on his whole season – his performance against Kentucky will be one of the most important games. So I agree with you there. And, and Kentucky's had, you know, two weeks to prepare for us coming off the bye week. You know, they look at this game on their schedule and have been salivating out the mouth. Uh, Tennessee, you know, uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm kind of getting flashbacks from last year. You know, we run the fifth most plays per minute. We kind of slowed it down a little bit this year in key moments. Kentucky uh, on offense is the slowest team in the country. And all last uh, last year, you know, we scored on the first play. We got off hot, but they held the ball for as long as they could. And I think what's going to come down to is honestly uh, our defensive line, you know, getting back there and getting Levis, you know, they're not that great. They've been getting up a lot of sacks. And I think if you go out there and do that to not let them play at that pace, that's probably our best, you know, way to take advantage and get points on the board. But I just, you know, I think it's going to be like a, a definitely a big quarterback competition. I think Will Levis, you know, he might be able to exploit our passing defense. It's going to be two good quarterbacks on both sides. But I just think that the, the format's all there for Hendon Hooker to kind of make history here. Yeah, um, I want to throw in there, too, that it is quarterback one versus quarterback two in the SEC and, and QB rating. So it is, uh, you know, it's two great arms, two great leaders with uh, Hooker and Levis. But the area of, the, of, of this game that isn't being talked about is Tennessee's run game going up against Kentucky's rush defense. And uh, usually Kentucky's rush defense at front seven is normally a top 25, usually a, near the top 10. Um, took a step back this year. Uh, they're, they're only seventh in the conference right now out of 14. Um, and I think to a lot of national folks that might have only seen some highlights of Tennessee or, or watched just the, the aerial assault on Alabama, they think that it's an air raid offense. They think that it's a pass-only offense. It's, have you heard this? It's kind of a weird, uh, misleading thing I've been seeing. Uh, Tennessee's 60% rushing attempt. I mean, this is uh, they, they want to establish a run game, and they really want to spread the field out. You see these receivers, they line up sideline to sideline, uh, and there's a purpose to that. It's to spread the defense out and to really make the defense wrong. So if you stack too many guys in the box, they're going to go vertical. That's what Alabama tried to do, and, and they couldn't defend the vertical one-on-ones. If you allocate more resources to the pass game and move guys out of that box, that's where Tennessee's going to hammer you in the run game. So uh, they're going to always make the defense wrong, but I just wanted to get that out there. This is not an air raid offense. They can throw it well. They can throw it amazingly, uh, but they can pound the ball too. So I think they're going to have the advantage in the rushing game too. They're going to pound the rock off Kentucky and uh, and keep the ball out of Levis's hand, too. Yeah, pick six. Uh, thanks again for coming on. Huge honor. Um, I was happy that you mentioned a little bit about Jalen Hyatt, because honestly, I don't think the man is getting the respect that he honestly deserves, at least towards the national media, especially when you consider he's leading the country in receiving touchdowns of 12. Fifth in the country in receiving yards, first in the conference, has more receiving touchdowns than Georgia, Texas A&M, South Carolina, Florida, Missouri, and Auburn. And he's on pace to almost have 24 receiving touchdowns this year and well over 1,300 receiving yards. Do you think if he keeps up that he can put himself as a top contender and wind up being in New York for that Heisman Award? It's certainly possible. Um, if, if, if this Tennessee offense keeps putting up these numbers, then uh, you could maybe see a spot where both guys get invited. 
Um, again, it is harder for a receiver to do so. I think definitely if you're looking Blitnikoff, uh, if you're looking All-America first team, he's definitely a front runner right now, or at least he should be. Um, because, yeah, you can look at raw stats. Like, everyone does. You start with the numbers and the stats. Uh, but you want to look at key moments, like, uh, like you guys t- talked earlier in the show. The key moments for him, I mean, five touchdowns against Alabama. That's unheard of. Uh, it was a huge part of them putting up the most points on Alabama in 100 years of football. Just insane. That alone should be the, the, the credential to get him a, a trophy. But, um, yeah, five touchdowns in that game, 200-plus uh, yards against Alabama. But his second-best game probably was uh, against their other-ranked opponent, dropping two touchdowns against LSU. So in their biggest moments, LSU and Bama, he's gone for roughly 300 yards, seven touchdowns, and I'm sure that will continue against these next-ranked teams coming up. So, um, you know, it's big play potential. You see some receivers, too, and, and this goes for running backs, too, where – they finished with 1,000 yards, and you say, wow, 1,000 yard back. But he had 300 carries. You know, it was all volume. But what you have with Hyatt is the per play numbers are incredible. He's very explosive, 20 yards a catch. I mean, it's just incredible. So if he keeps that pace up over a full 12, 13 game season, regular season, uh, definitely all American caliber, and we'll see about New York. Absolutely. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I did kind of want to get your opinion because it sounds like you know so much about literally everyone across the nation in terms of football. And I want to know, like, we're midway through the season. You see that Tennessee's been trending upward. There's talk of college football playoffs. Um, In your opinion, what would Tennessee, I mean, if you can answer this, you know, reasonably, I don't know. I'm sure you can, but what would Tennessee have to do, in your opinion, to lit, to 100% solidify um, a spot in the college football playoff at the end of the season? Hey, I'm sorry, I was buffering. Can you just be part of that? Yeah, um, basically, I was just saying, like, I know that you know so much about um, football across the entire country, so I feel like it's fair to ask you this question. What Tennessee's trending upward. What do you think that Tennessee truly has to do to lock in a spot in the college football playoffs this year? Maybe. Oh, I don't know. We might have lost him. Yeah, he's in the <laughs> Hey, guys, can you hear me? That's really bad. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. You was got buffering you. on the question there. I couldn't hear you. Okay, you got me now? Yeah. Okay. Last time, hopefully. Third time's a charm. <laughs> um, basically, in your opinion, Tennessee's trending upward. What do you think it would take for Tennessee to lock down? What do they have to do to lock down the spot in the college football playoff this season? Yeah, well, I, I think one team is going to go a long way, and it's – can you avoid a blowout loss against Georgia? This might sound counterintuitive. Of course, you want to go win the game. If you beat Georgia, you're in the driver's seat for a playoff bid because you're going to go likely undefeated at that point, uh, probably play a rematch with Alabama or LSU in, the, uh, in Atlanta and likely make the playoff. But let's just say you lose to Georgia. You want to avoid the blowout scenario. Specifically, you want to lose by less than 46, which Georgia beat Oregon, who is probably gunning for a fourth playoff spot too. So – uh, keep that Georgia game close. We've seen teams sneak in the playoff 11-1 and with a close conference loss, especially when you're talking against a top-five team. Um, so that's important. The margin of loss goes a long way. Uh, that, that blowout loss to Georgia may have eliminated Oregon. So 
I think for Tennessee to make it uh, to the playoff, Kentucky's a must win um, to really set you up to, well, you know what? I'm talking out two sides of my mouth there. Uh, if you win the SEC with one loss, if you go 12 and one and win the SEC, you're a playoff team. Uh, if that means a loss to Kentucky, so be it. Um, but you got to be in Atlanta and win the game 12 and one. Um, and, but, uh, you know, I'm kind of talking in circles. There's so many scenarios here. Um, just avoid a blowout loss and, and keep in this race as long as you can. Obviously, a win against Georgia will, will bolster their resume. You'd have wins over Bama and Georgia. Hard to ignore. But um, we'll see. There's so much left to unfold. I think right now they stack up number three um, in my game grader formula. On my FWA uh, Super 16 poll, though, the actual poll, I have them second behind Georgia right now. So, um, you know, that's a big debate between Ohio State, Georgia, Tennessee. Uh, I rank them second right now, if that holds any weight for you guys. That certainly does. Um, yeah, like you said, there's just so many different possibilities at this point. But as a fan who literally didn't expect this at all and is now sitting here rolling into this huge Kentucky week, I'm like so anxious because I've never seen this really in my whole lifetime. And then to be like, we're right on the cusp of being able to go. And it's just such a scary thing, but so exciting all in the same time. It's kind of a weird place to be. Yeah. And um, yeah, there are so many different scenarios that that answer was definitely confusing as I was talking it through, but that's just the point of college football. There's so many paths that this thing could take, um, you know, undefeated you're in. Uh, 12 and one and you win on in Atlanta for the conference title you're in those are two lock scenarios everything from there is variable uh, and it depends on what the other conferences do with one or two lost champs um, depends on if it comes down to Tennessee or Oregon for that last spot who played well against Georgia um, you know that might be a, de a deciding factor so all that factors in uh, a blowout loss would be catastrophic in any scenario but um, yeah we'll see how it plays out with that offense I'm not ruling them out of any of any game uh, and the defense isn't getting enough credit either. Here's another issue I have is that um, when you look at the raw game numbers, so just say Tennessee gave up 400 yards or 500 yards, a lot of people stop there and say, wow, they're giving up all this yardage. Well, do it per play because with Tennessee's offense, the counterparts, they're snapping the ball so quick that you're playing almost like a game and a quarter or a game and a half number of snaps on defense. So I like to do it per play. And when you look at it that way, Tennessee is right in the top 20 on defense. So very, very underrated because a lot of people get hung up on the per game stats and it's just a higher quantity of snaps of facing. So um, it's a solid team. That is such an awesome way to look at it. I can assure you that no one, none of us have looked at it that way and thought of it in that format. So that's just some awesome insight on your part. Um, Brando, Drew, do you guys have anything else for him? No, yeah, I just want to say I agree. Like um, the the Georgia game and Kentucky game, I think Tennessee just with our offense, like we noted earlier, that no matter what how defense goes out there and plays, no how many passing guards they give up total per game, you know they're going out there making you earn every yard. And I just don't think anyone can really keep up. Um, I just don't think Kentucky is going to be able to keep up this week and next week going into Athens, even though it's in a way crazy environment. I still think Vol Nation is going to show up, and I still think that our offense is going to have a game plan. And I just don't know what Georgia's offense really is. That'll be the huge like, key against an opponent like us. But their leading receiver right now is our tied in with like less than 400 yards, I believe, right now. And that's just crazy to me. Um, I think we can go out there and put up points and make teams we've seen all year. They have to change their game plan when they play Josh Heupel in the Tennessee Vols. And that's just going to, you know, teams are going to have to play against us. We're going out there and putting the, the chess pieces together. 
and you got to go out there and, you know, play against us. So I definitely think looking forward to this weekend, it's going to be a crazy one, kneeling at night. I want to get a uh, pick six previews, final opinion on that. You know, this going into this week, you know, Tennessee, Kentucky, how do you think it plays out and what's your final score? Yeah, uh, for sure. So um, in terms of my game grader formula, Tennessee, I like I said, I have them third in my formula here. Um, and as for uh, in terms of Kentucky, they are down at 25th. So you still have a top 25 opponent. Um, the way I see this shaking out, I see Tennessee by at least 10 points. I know the Vegas line's 12 and a half. That's kind of a perfect number right now. Um, you know, I have it right around 11 points, but you can factor in a, a point and a half extra for that night raucous crowd in, uh, in Nayland. So I, I can see where they're arriving at 12 and a half. I'm going to go right there with 10. I'll keep it at 10 points. Um, so I'll say uh, Tennessee, a little bit higher scoring, a little bit faster tempo. I'll say uh, Tennessee 38, 28. Um, and I think that, you know, if you had to bet one way, I, I would probably go with Tennessee uh, to, to have the chance to explode because you never know a few late touchdowns by Tennessee might bust the number. So, um, you know, not one of my best bets of the week. Uh, I'm not really going to touch that one uh, in my picks, but uh, I definitely have Tennessee winning the game by more than a score. And, um, you know, it'll be another another uh, resume booster for all the candidates we talked about and the team overall. I just wish that they had the old beer barrel trophy to play for. I uh, the old pictures of Peyton Manning hoisting that thing up between Kentucky and Tennessee. Got to bring that thing back. It's somewhere. It's somewhere, but Coach Heupel uh, said if it's at Tennessee, he has no idea where about. Yeah. Oh, he's uh yeah. So there was like a picture that floated around on Twitter of the beer barrel, but I can't even believe we haven't even talked about the dark mode jerseys and helmets. You know, Tennessee unveiling the black helmets for the first time. That's, you know, a crazy thing. And I think that's going to be like making the crowd even go crazier when the white shut off and the glow in the dark tea comes out. I just know that like we're, you know, showing love to this team after, you know, starting 7-0. And I don't think Kentucky has any idea what they're kind of getting themselves into. I think it's going to be rocking. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the game day operations or whatever you want to call it looked incredible against Alabama. And uh, I'm a little bit on the younger side, too. Uh, you know, speaking of that and as a college football fan, my generation, our generation, we hadn't ever seen Tennessee compete with Alabama like that. Uh, we've been told by, by you know, the elders that that was uh, a significant rivalry and one of the most important in the sport. It's just in our lifetime, we hadn't seen it. So I know they were close in 09, but uh, Mount Cody blocked that kick. But since then, it's been nothing. So to see it like that, it was a surreal moment. Uh, and then it really felt like the old days with the, with the goalpost being torn down and thrown in the lake and uh, all the orange on the field. I mean, I'm, I'm happy for you guys and for that whole fan base. You all deserve it. And, um, you know, you have a fan up here in eastern Pennsylvania. I love it. Absolutely. Drew, you got anything left for him? Yeah, I got one. Yeah. Uh, you basically kind of, like, answered this, like, more or less, but still want to get, like, a verified answer from you. So there was a segment last Saturday on game day where Lee Corso went on this, like, you know, ear cohesive like ramble rants about no matter what if Tennessee finishes 11 and one that they won't make the playoffs. I want to know from your opinion if if no house state or Michigan's 11 and one hey or, Drew you might be muted I can't hear you can't hear guys can you hear me yeah I can hear Drew <laughs> sorry I couldn't hear any of that uh I couldn't hear All that right. I'm sorry yeah, no, so more or less, there was a segment from Lee Corso. Dang, doing it again. I see him talking. I can't hear him. I, that's, that's so frustrating. But uh, I'm sure it was a good question. I wish I could answer it. I can't hear you. Um, can you hear me? Drew, hit me up on Twitter. I'll, I'll reply to you via Twitter. How about that? Brett, can you hear me at all? Yeah, I got you. Okay. Um, 
Dre was asking about, I, I'll let him ask you via Twitter. It was a great question. So I'll let him take the lead on that. But I guess, I guess we are wrapping up here. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. Like I said, it's a true honor. It's very clear that you know what you're doing. Like some of the way that you analyzed that and explained it, it just makes so much sense. So we just really appreciate you coming on and thank you so much. Yeah, well, again, thanks for having me, guys. And uh, best of luck with the podcast this season and beyond. I mean, I love this sport. I love fans that love this sport. So, uh, you know, Tennessee, like I said, a very passionate bunch. I find myself pulling for you guys. So uh, thanks again for having me. Best of luck this season. And um, hopefully we're talking in the offseason with uh, some more championships to discuss. We'll see how it ends up. But uh, good luck the rest of the way. Yeah. Y'all can follow him on Pick 6 Previews. I uh, appreciate you for joining us. Uh, I guess I want to talk to y'all to just close it out. You know, Kentucky hate week. We hate Kentucky. Um, like I said earlier, last year we saw what we did in Lexington. Uh, this year they're coming back to Neyland from two years ago. What happened when we had Gump and, you know, what's his name on the realm. This year a whole completely different Tennessee team. They have to come and play in our court, much improved. Um, I think we all had this picked as a win on the preseason and, you know, started the season of our predictions. But final predictions going into this game, I think our defense is going to have to go get, get it done. Uh, Hinton Hooker is going to play well. We have to run the ball, you know, keep that 250-yard average. Uh, if we can get to Will Levis and, you know, not let them slow the pace down the whole entire game to make it that low-scoring back-and-forth, you know, game, I think we go out there and just boat race this team if we can get Jalen Hyatt. And not to mention Cedric Tillman. Let's not forget Cedric Tillman's coming back. He's going to be playing in this game. And he's going to go out there and do what he does best and expose, you know, ranked teams. And to have, you know, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, and Brew McCoy in full force as Hendon Hooker's, you know, clicking this year. I just can't wait to see what happens to Kentucky. We're going to send him back to the coal mines, Drew. Uh, we're definitely sending those toothless yokels back to those coal mines where they belong. You know, I know he thinks it's going to be a 10-point go- game, guys, but uh, I'm going to be honest with you. We're beating the shit on Saturday. Like, I'm a full-on believer. When you think about it, they're ranked 82nd in the country on total offense, only averaging 26 points a game. And they want to talk about their defense. Guys, this defense is only ranked one spot above Alabama. They're at 14th, Bama's at 15th. And everyone talked about before that game how this Bama defense was going to be the toughest one we've seen, arguably the best in the SEC. If Kentucky's only one spot above and they're still averaging a lot of the same amount of points as Alabama does, I have no doubt in my mind all the confidence in the world that we'll drop at least a 50-burger on So. I think you see Jalen Hyatt, another 150 yards or more, two touchdowns. Hinton does his thing, going for over 350 yards total offense. And I think the Vols win this game by four touchdowns. Oh, my gosh. So, I was pulling some comparison stats. So, right now, Tennessee averages 50.1 points a game, which is absolutely freaking insane. And Kentucky only averages 26.4 per game on offense. On the flip side of that, this this was shocking to me as well. Kentucky defense only allows an average of 16.4 per game, but Tennessee's average is 23.1 points per game. That is so much lower than I expected, to be quite honest with you guys. I thought it would be a lot higher than that. Um, also, when you compare defense, our overall defense is ranked really low. But our rushing defense is ranked eighth. 
and Kentucky's rushing offense is at 109th. That is a massive, massive, massive differential. The reason why I thought that was important is because our, you know, our offense is going to light it up against mm. them and test them a lot. But even if we don't score right away, I don't think that this is going to be what we saw last year, where it's back and forth scoring, back and forth scoring. Our defense, especially our front line, has gotten so much better that I truly think we can slow them down and then just blow the doors off. Um, once we just kind of whittle them down a little bit, I think we have this game. But I will say that my nerves have started to kick in, like I spoke about earlier, because I want this so bad. Like, I don't just – it's so ridiculous to be a Tennessee fan who thought that we were going to maybe get nine wins this year and now being like, I don't even want to go to a high-class bowl. I want the playoffs. It's ridiculous. But you see the potential in this team and specifically the offense and the coach and everything that surrounds them and the energy. And it's like, I want them to go to the playoffs. So I want them to get this win and blow them out. I want to go beat Georgia. And so now my nerves are kicking in where it really is a week by week basis. And it's really scary. I don't know. It's not even that it's Kentucky because there's no reason to be worried about Kentucky. It's the fact that we control our own path and destiny. And that like, now we can see the path, you know, Week by week, next week's huge, but obviously this week, uh, this robbery in all sports has been huge. And this, we hate Kentucky. No one wants to lose to Kentucky. If you lose to Kentucky, it's just disgusting. And you know what happened two years ago is not going to happen again for a long, long time. Uh, bring back the barrel. I want to touch on the offensive notes. You know we're averaging 50 points per game. Uh, obviously against two MAC teams and an FCS team. Kentucky, their defense is you know highly ranked, but honestly, they played Ole Miss and South Carolina. They haven't really played anybody. Youngstown State was kind of exposing them. Um, Ole Miss, I'm sure Hypo has watched the film of all the wrinkles there and has been planning ahead with a similar kind of offense. And I just don't think they really have the firepower. And to say about our 50 points, we went out there and put 52 on Alabama. I just don't care what you say. All the hype about Kentucky's defense, yeah, it's ranked well. But I just don't think that Will Levis is going to even have time. I think Tyler Barron and Byron Young are about to feast I think, you know, it's going to be another Keaton Slavis thing. He's already banged up. And uh, there's going to be a lot of memes. Uh, I'm taking the Vols. And, you know, I kind of agree with Drew. It's going to be like a 17, 20-point victory. Yeah, I mean, even to go even towards, like, Lowe's point, uh, you know, Kentucky allowed this eighth in the country for allowed, you know, for most allowed sacks. While the Vols are fourth in the SEC in sacks per game and tackles for loss. There's a lot of things that can be fixed with this defense. I think a lot of us, all three of us can agree with that, especially towards our secondary. But there's one common thing we can all agree is that our front seven, and just to be honest, is fucking badass. I mean, and they are vicious. I mean, even during the Alabama game, even though, even though we only had one sack, Bryce Young was running for his life. And if, he, if it wasn't for the fact that Alabama's quarterback is probably the most talented quarterback in the country, that game wouldn't even been close either. And the huge difference between Will Levis compared to, like, Bryce Young or Jaden Daniels or even Anthony Richardson, he's a pocket pack. He's not mobile. He can't get out of the pocket. Like, he's a guy that's going to stay in there until he finds an open receiver. And I just think we're just going to overwhelm him. I, like, I know, like, a lot of people are trying to, like, talk us down, you know, all this stuff. But, like, guys, this is not this is not the same Tennessee team last year. We're more complete. We're faster. We're stronger. And no one can stop us on offense. And there's no reason not to think – we win 
by at least 28 or even 30 points. Like, I really believe that. Drew, I, I, <laughs> Will Levis, points. Will Levis has negative 49 rushing yards, negative 49. Um, okay. Hendon Hooker out, out leads and he leads him in passing yards 2093 to 1635. Uh, Will Levis has a better uh, completion rating by 2%, 70 to 68. Um, the touchdown interception ratio 18 to 1 for Hooker, 13 to 5 for Levis. Uh, rushing yards, Hendon Hooker 315, Will Levis negative 49. So they, I just don't like we're gonna get back there and feast. He has never played in an environment. He has never played in an environment like Neyland Stadium. And you know, I just think that there's a definite chance that like we're gonna be loud. The start of that game is gonna be crazy, and whatever end zone he's in, he's gonna have problems because I just don't think that offense is clicking. They have two true freshman wide receivers in Dane Key and Nashville native Barry and Brown, but I would still argue they haven't played anybody. Um, when they go up there against our corners, you know, also little nug. Tennessee might be getting a certain safety back. Wow. Just saying. Just saying a certain safety might be playing in this game. So um, if Tennessee can get that guy back uh, with all his troubles, let's just say that that defense definitely gets a, a shot caller veteran guy back for a huge game right there. So something to definitely watch and look for. Maybe he doesn't start, but he's definitely slated to get into that game. Well, I mean, you know, we did beat Alabama with a walk-on in. So I, my faith in this team just keeps growing and growing, like, to exponential levels. That's why it's so scary. But it is what it is. You ride or you die with the Vols, and especially this year. So I'm just completely 100% all in on this team. I don't I don't even care. Um Excellent point, though. Negative 49 rushing yards. Holy shit. With like, one of the worst offensive lines. Absolutely rocked. He must be scared. Look at all the injuries he has. Finger, what a, finger ankle, whatever else he has Shoulder. going on. Shoulder. He, he's already banged up. And I well, think, I you know. Injuries wished on him. But what I'm saying is either, prepared for what's about to come. Well, my biggest thing is. I can't wait to see Josh Heupel just outcoach, you know, Mark Stoops because one, think about who his brother is and what that past is, you know, with Heupel and then everything else with just Mark Stoops and how he's kind of addressed Tennessee's team, how he was lied to recruits him and his staff going on Twitter, dissing us, you know, talking about their dogs, whatever, and Vince Morrow, Mark Stoops going out there and lying to recruits saying that it's going to take Tennessee 10 years to be back. Josh Heupel has this, you know, number three in year two and is out here out recruiting Kentucky easily because it's, it's Kentucky. But, you know, the guys, you know, left, I feel like the whole transfer portal thing, like just to be lied to and then go out here. I think it's a personal message for the future of Tennessee recruiting, you know, just for the program in general, like get back on track. We don't lose to Kentucky and to see a guy like Mark Stoops fall and, you know, have to coach his way against Heifel because his game plan doesn't work. It's going to be beautiful to see. I can't wait. We've seen the Nick Saban tantrums, Brian Kelly, Billy Napier going out there and screaming on the field. Nothing's going to be better than seeing Mark Stoops screaming wine going out to you know midfield and like Will Levis, the meme being recreated. It's going to be perfect. And, you know, Saturday night, it's going to be a blast. Can't wait to see everyone. I mean, I got no doubt in my mind that he's going to outcoach Mark Stoops. I mean, Heifel outcoached arguably the greatest coach in the history of college football a couple days ago. But, like, it's going to be absolutely chaotic there kneeling on Saturday night. Night game, dark mode jerseys. We're going to be kissing ass. We're going to be kissing babies. And we're going to be sending those damn toothless jokes. Oh, oh my. So it is going to be beautiful. Kentucky's going to remember that Tennessee's always be their daddy. 
as how it always has been and always will be, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, we always kick their ass and everything. Uh, did you just say kissing ass and kissing babies? Yeah, babies yeah. and ass. Okay. That's worse than Clay Travis on CNN, Drew. <laughs> Holy shit. Not even close. Not even close. But I, I appreciate you trying to do the comparison there. <laughs> I just know that I'm going to be a uh, I'm going to be pre gaming at the Spire Tailgate 015. I hope to see uh, Drew's not coming. He's lame, but Lo, you're more than welcome. I'm sure I'll be stopping by. I wanted to let I don't know if this is a thing or not, but I'm surely doing it. Me and my friends are getting up early as hell. And we're getting all of our outfits together and doing our face paint and getting everything ready to go. Cause I'm going out after cause it's Halloween and I'm not going out on a Monday cause I'm an adult. So I got to be a kid on a Saturday night after the dub. So I'll be showing up in my costume, my all black, my dark mode Jersey and my face paint and my light up cowboy hat. Just don't pull a uh, Casey Thunderberg and Richard G. West with the face paint. Yeah, don't. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Okay. Just to speak to all of all Twitter's listening to that, I mean, for the love of God, guys, like, Richard G. West has been doing this for years. I mean, even before this podcast even existed, and people fall for it every single time. Be better. Literally, just read it. Like, even if you think it's ridiculous, like, go research it. I mean, it's not that hard. Like, I saw everyone. I mean, the fact that the Vol Network was falling for that tweet a couple of days ago is comical. I mean, like, even when I read it, I thought it was hilarious. I thought, I'm like, well, this is sober. No one actually believes it. Fair enough. Stupid. Everyone believes it. I mean, he gets clout on everything. He's even tricked ESPN before. Like, it's all demon time. Just look at the I mean, like, it's like, it doesn't even look real, like, real. I mean. No, my face paint is going to be like glow in the dark or something of that nature. So that will be smart. Um, let's get, before we go, let's get everyone's final like official score predictions, not just the range. Um, I guess it's good for me. I got like three things, you know, obviously number one, Hendon Hooker. You saw how many games he's won for us this year. Definitely going to be Hendon Hooker. Um, Got to have our defensive line, Amari Thomas, Byron Young, Tyler Barron. They're going to feast. And, you know, number three, just no mistakes, no injuries, because I feel like this is going to be Akron vibes. I feel like if we get up high and, you know, definitely blow this team out, which we're capable of doing in the first half, like Drew mentioned, uh, I just don't, you know, Kentucky's disgusting people. And, you know, I want to keep our guys healthy going for next week. So just stay healthy. Um, final score prediction, I'm going to definitely go in the range of 45-24. I just think Tennessee – Blows them out. Maybe, you know, close going into the second half, but I just, you know, I don't see teams keeping up. And the defensive line, offensive line for Kentucky, it's just not impressive. Our team should go out there and be able to, you know, execute. We beat Bama. Kentucky's just Kentucky. Treat them like Kentucky, as Juice would say. Facts. Facts. I completely agree with that. I think we're going to start off hot. I think you're going to see Tennessee score touchdowns in the first three possessions. Uh, I think we're going to hold them under 10 points in the first half. You know, they'll be able to get some second-half touchdowns against our walk-ons in there at the very end of the game. But um, I think Hinton Hooker's going to throw for over 350 yards. Hyatt's going for 152 touchdowns. Even with Tillman, it doesn't matter because, in my opinion, Jay the best wide receiver in America right now, and you can't argue that it was. I got Vols 56, Kentucky 28. Oh, my Yee! God. 
That's a damn blowout. Good Lord. I hope it is that. Back to uh, mine. I have a weird feeling about this. I, and I think it truly is just because of my anxiety of the future. And I just want it to happen so bad. Um, but I do think that there's no way that we can't start out hot. Like I'm, I'm just putting myself in the environment Saturday already, which is so dangerous because it's Wednesday, but I see it now and it's going to be so absolutely out of control because Alabama was that crazy and it was a day game. And so this is just going to be incredible. It's Halloween weekend. It's dark mode. It's your seven and oh, like everything is on the line here. So I see us starting out super, super hot. I don't think that we hold Kentucky to 10. I think they'll probably get 17 ish. But I think that they've definitely stall out. Like we come out in the second half and just take charge and grab a hold of their balls and just rip them off. Um, I'm going, I was going, I'm going to go 48 to 31. I added a field goal in there for icing on the cake because I can't go like that far. Can't go as far as Drew. But I certainly think that if we put up 52 on Alabama, then we could certainly get at 50 or close to 50 on Kentucky. And there's no excuses not to. Everyone's returning. We are healthy. We had a cakewalk with UT Martin. So they got to get up there in the scoreboard. If you think about last year in Kentucky, we scored on the first play in their stadium. Can you imagine, you know, we talk about starting off hot and, you know, the crowd going crazy and like being a factor from drive one. Tennessee, Jalen Hyatt, you know, 70-something-plus yards, goes out there and scores on the first drive, you know, first play, first drive, like they did last year, but in Neyland Stadium, Halloween weekend, obviously night mode. We haven't had, like, a huge night SEC game since Ole Miss last year, and we saw what happened then. Honestly, even though it was, you know, Lane last year, I hate Kentucky and Mark Stoops, honestly, just as much. I just I just hate Kentucky, and I'm going to be probably raging just at Mark Stoops and his, his presence in Neyland Stadium in general. So I just think if we go out there and just be nasty, I can see it now, like Lo said, like this place is going to be rocking. We have everything on the line, uh, everything that we've ever asked for, and there's no reason that there shouldn't be 101, 915 plus some all around that stadium. I mean, I just I just can't see us not scoring at least 48, 49 points a game. Like, honestly, like just because – like. Even even though we played UT Martin last Saturday, guys, we scored fifty nine points in the first half. Like, I mean, like that, that was that was absurd. I mean, and even scoring fifty two points against Alabama, you know. And so, and even then, like our arguably our worst performance in conference play was against Florida, and we still scored thirty eight against them. That's With, what that's what Larry said. Larry was like, we scored thirty five in our worst offensive game against four ranked teams, and then he's like. Uh, take out the Vols game and they, their defense is winked way, against, uh, way above UCK, which is right. Like, they're just they're overrated. No, yeah. I mean, they're, they're very overrated. And you'll see national pundits all week this week where they'll be like, well, they have 11 straight games where they've only had about 24 points or less. Well, the last time they played a deep, an offense that was even ranked within the top 40 was Tennessee, and we put 45 on their ass in their damn grocery store of a stadium. So, like, we've scored, we've scored 30 plus in 10 straight games. 30 plus 10 straight games, longest streak in Vols history. 
Uh, UK football is allowed 24 fewer points in 11 games, the longest active streak in FBS. But like I've said this season, like they haven't really played anybody. Um, it's just crazy. Like even against Ole Miss, that offense still found a way. And I just believe in the wrinkles in the system, even though they've had an extra week to prepare. Like Josh Heupel isn't going out there and, you know, overlooking Kentucky. I promise this game is personal for him and the fan base. And like, if you don't think that he's not going to have these wrinkles where we didn't even talk about freaking Princeton Fant throwing a touchdown against UT Martin, you know, having that and everything else with the scenery, you know, last year we saw it this year, we're going to probably see it's going to come out in a game like this. And they just, they just don't stand a chance. I don't see this defense one stopping this offense Mm -hmm. and to Will Levis, even, you know, maybe even not even having the time to score points on us. I think when he gets down there, like it's going to be, Big hits that create turnovers, and if that can happen for Tennessee, and they can just step on their throats, like we're going to yeah. be seeing, seeing Rocky Top all night long. I'm so excited! I can't stop thinking about it. I mean, but that's like the thing as well. Like the best offense they played all year was Ole Miss. Like Ole Miss is the most overrated thing I've ever seen. Like I don't have a quarterback. Like, like if Nick Saban can't prepare for Tennessee's offense, there's not a coach in America that can. I mean, he even said. I made the same point last week, but he literally said his press conference. They literally lined up in an I formation, and we didn't know what to do. We've never seen that before. Like, I, they were completely clueless. Like, and you know, Mark Stoops is going to have no clue what to do. And it doesn't even matter who we play at quarterback. We could play freaking Hendon. We could play Joe Milton. We could play Nate Schuler. We could play fucking Princeton Fant. We're still putting 50 points on them. And there's not a damn thing they can do about it. So. Back to the comb. Back to the <laughs> Incredible, just incredible. I, I love hate Kentucky. It. I love this though. It's incredible to be where we're at right now. Do you guys have anything else to wrap up besides RIP to Alex again on missing out on yet another huge um, freaking guest? Um, RIP Alex out here doing brain surgery. Um, really sick of Kentucky fans on Twitter. They're already making me sick, and it's Wednesday. We have a few more days of this, and, like, they're out of their minds right now. Um, would love nothing more to see one. Mark Stoops will love his piss, but definitely, you know, the, the victory lap on Vol Twitter is going to be great. Uh, just looking forward to it. Treat Kentucky like they're Kentucky. Two years ago, shouldn't have happened. Uh, Josh Heupel is the prince, or he's the king, and Hendon Hooker is your prince. And we're going for a, not even just a Heisman Trophy, but we're going for the SEC title in Atlanta. We're going, you know, for the national championship, no matter where we play in the playoffs. And uh, shout out to our CEO who's going to be getting this out there. Uh, let's go beat Kentucky's ass. Um, send them back to the coal mines. And let's just, you know, bask in the glory of the revival of Tennessee football because it's great to be. And I just we, – we win this game easy. Let's just be honest, guys. Yeah, I mean, this has been a unbelievable season, easily the best season of my lifetime that I can remember. I think it's going to go down as one of the greatest seasons in the history of Tennessee football. And I think I can attest to the 19 other thousand people that were there two years ago, watching the lose to 34 to seven in Kentucky. We deserve this. We all deserve this. We're going to go beat their ass. There ain't a damn thing they can do about it. And they're going to rub their two damn nickels trying to find a way to get back to Kentucky because they're a bunch of toothless jokes, coal miners that don't know any better. Okay. And also, not to forget, shout to the basketball team. Friday night, they're playing a preseason game against Gonzaga, oh which is an awesome test that we can really see where we are in the test of the bet, one of the best programs in the country. So if you got nothing else better to do, pay-per-view Friday night. They're playing a preseason game in Dallas. Highly rec- recommend watching it. This team is going to be 
the best team Rick Barnes has ever had. I truly believe that. I agree with that too. I I feel like if Rick Barnes has ever assembled the team to finally get that elite eight final four bid, this is the one, this is the time. So that is huge. Uh, I'm glad you reminded everyone of that. Cause yeah, it is pay-per-view. I think it's only 10 bucks though. So totally worth it to watch them and, see what all we get to throw out there. Kamwa's back. Apparently he's like a big factor uh, coming back from what I saw with Barnes. But in terms of this weekend, just enjoy it. I mean, holy shit. Like, I just don't even know what else to say. Freaking enjoy it. We are undefeated. Um, I think there's no reason why we don't beat Kentucky's ass. Be there, be loud, uh, be dark mode. Be whatever. It's a night game. It's going to be incredible. And I am looking forward to hopefully being 8-0 next week. It's just so hard to say. It just still doesn't register every time that we say we're undefeated. But I think there's no excuses, no reason to drop this. And I truly do think that we have a coach that locks them in on every single opponent, every single game, no matter what. So I don't see any reasons to believe why we aren't locked in on this week. Um, that's all I've got. I think we are, dang, this ended up to be right on time pretty much. We done a really good job tonight. Brando's talking again, but he's always <laughs> Yo, I made it to the whole show till the end for doing that. Yeah. You got to work on that. Hey, this is I wanted a great show that you've done that, Brando. I know. I was, I was doing better. But, uh, this, this weekend... This weekend, just a little quick note, Arian Carter, Smyrna four-star linebacker who got a crystal ball to Bama. He's going to be in for this game. Uh, huge in-state possible pool there. Uh, the 2024 class going crazy. Maisie O'Bennett and now Caleb Beasley, the four-star corner from Nashville, committed You know, after the Bama game and after the UT Martin game. So huge pool there. I uh, definitely think four or five more 2024 commits could happen in the next week or so after this Kentucky game. Uh, and some even over Kentucky, like Boo Carter. So that'd be huge, a huge, huge pull. But uh, other than that, a uh, huge episode. I just, I hate Kentucky. Let's go out there and win this game. Uh, they don't, they don't deserve to even be in the presence of us. So that's all I got. Facts. Facts. I love Facts. it. Love it. Um, yep. Let's go out there. Let's kick Kentucky's ass. Had a huge guest earlier. If you guys missed it, make sure to dial it back. Check out Pick Six Previews on Twitter. And we are ready. We are living the dream right now, and I will see you guys next week. So until then, get rowdy Saturday, and go Vols. Go Vols.